Praise the Lord. How you doing, Lamb of God family? It's Pastor Tim here, just saying hi, and I'm just so excited to be able to be with you during this moment together this morning. So we worship the Lord and we take communion together. I have a verse uh, for you today I want to share with you. It's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And Paul says to T Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. And he goes on to say, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And that sounds pretty aggressive as a scripture. Fighting, taking hold of, and yet what is Paul really talking about here? Well, we are contending with powers of evil, with darkness, with sickness, with disease, with brokenness in a fallen world. And so Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, fight, fight with faith. Okay, this faith that we have, this, this belief that we have in God, it takes some effort to lay hold of the promises of God. And I want to encourage you today as we take communion, whatever you're contending with right now, you are in a fight. And the scriptures say, let's go. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And yet we have to lay hold of those promises of God by faith. We have to hold on to what God says is ours as his sons and daughters. And that's one of the reasons why we take communion every week is to remind ourselves, hey, today, whatever I'm contending with, Jesus is contending with on my behalf. And I'm believing for life, for freedom, for fullness, for healing. Can I get an amen? And that's what we're doing right now. So whatever you're contending with right now, let's obey the scriptures. Let's fight. Let's fight the good fight of the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he purchased for us to have. And let's lay hold of this eternal life to which we are all been called. Lord Jesus, we come to you now and thank you that you paid it all so we could have it all. Eternal life in you. Freedom, healing, abundance, blessing, forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for paying it all. And today, we contend with those things that are contending against us, trying to rob us of joy, trying to steal us from health, trying to take our financial blessing, uh, trying to take away our emotional stability. Lord, we cast all those things on you. We receive your peace, your love, your joy, your healing, and your wholeness right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's take together, church. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that you have for each and every one of us. We are believers. We believe in you. So as it said, Lord, let it be done in our lives in Jesus' name. And now today, church, I want to inter introduce to you a special speaker today for the very first time preaching her first message ever. I want to welcome uh, Megan Fondren, and I'm so excited for the word that God put on her heart for us, and I'm so excited to see her growing and blossoming as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's enjoy this word for Megan. Good morning, Lamb of God family, and good morning, our friends and our guests. I am so excited to be here with you this morning, and I trust that you had an amazing encounter with the Lord through our worship experience and through our communion time. And like I said, I am excited to be the one to bring you the message today. So before I do that, I would like to open us up in prayer. God, I just pray for your anointing to fall fresh today, Lord. I pray that you guide my words. Have your way this morning, Lord. Let your word truly come alive for us and penetrate our souls and our spirits. Bring us wisdom and revelation and more of you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Well, most of you by now know me as the Sunday morning host who is slightly socially awkward and has the tendency to repetitively put my foot in my mouth. Yet, Pastor Tim keeps me coming back. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Fondren, and like I said before, I am so excited to be bringing you the message today. And just to give you a little background about myself, my husband and I, Joe, his my husband's name is Joe, we were both born and raised in Montrose, graduated from Montrose, and as soon as we were out of high school, we were leaving this rinky-dink little town and we were never coming back. But little did we know that God had other plans for us. And six years ago, he called us home. We live in Flushing now. Uh, I fell in love with Jesus at age four. I was saved at age seven, baptized in water at eight years old. And by the time I was 13, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So just to say that my only credentials for preaching a sermon are that I've known and loved the Lord my entire life. But that's it. But hey, when God says go and I say Okie dokie, here I am. Here I am preaching a sermon for you this morning. Um, I am a PA by profession and I have the pleasure to and the, the honor to work at the Montrose Medical Group here in Montrose where I get to help heal. I get to be God's hands and feet to help heal the people in the community that have somehow had a hand in raising me. So it's been an honor and a privilege to be a medical professional here in the Montrose community. That has been an amazing opportunity. And as a spirit-filled believer, I not only have that honor and privilege of help healing these people in the community, but I also have an anointing on my life to inspire people to follow Jesus by pretty much just speaking words of life and encouragement into them that God lays on my heart to speak. So you might be thinking, um, what in the world is this lady doing in Pastor Tim's time slot? Well, somebody out there put a little bug in Pastor Tim's ear that it would be a good idea for me to preach a message. What? So here I am. Thank you to whoever you are out there. But really, in all seriousness, on March 11th of this year, God told me that I would be bringing a message to his people. And it's really funny because I didn't know the details of it. I didn't know the timing of it, but I did know that it would be titled When God Seems Silent. And to be completely honest, I don't remember where I was with God at the time or what our conversations had been during that season, but I will never forget that it was exactly two days before I got the phone call that school was canceled and life as we knew it was changed forever. And it was two days before I had even a care in the world regarding the coronavirus, let alone much else. And I think by now it comes to no surprise that when I say there is just so much going on in this world, and it's so hard to catch our breath when we're constantly bombarded with the next thing that's happening. And it's been so easy to focus on all the evil and the darkness that's surrounding us. And it's been harder and harder to focus on Jesus, our Savior. And so here I am sharing a message with you on the deafening silence of God. And preaching a message is pretty scary for me. But I've learned long, long time ago to trust the Lord in every situation. Whether it's following an anointing or a calling that He has on your life or making it through one of the greatest travesties that this world has ever known. And you see, one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Tim, has used this analogy in the past that spiritual growth is like weightlifting and exercise. Those things are not easy and they're not always fun. But the more weight you lift, 
the harder the exercise, the more muscle you gain, the more strength you gain, the more endurance you'll end up with. And spiritually speaking, the better the character development you have and the stronger your faith becomes. But you know, I believe in this specific time, it's more than just character development because it's this time in history that it is so vital that we as Christians grasp our role in this redemption story. We, have, we cannot afford to sit around and wallow in our own self-pity because Jesus is counting on us to take the good news to the ends of the earth to usher in his return. Guys, it's just like in Esther where it says, perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. And you know, with everything in my life that I thought God was teaching me and all the seasons that he's brought me to and all the lessons that I thought that I've learned throughout my experiences, I never realized that I would be prepared for one of the most difficult seasons that the entire world has ever faced. And when he gave me this message, I had no clue that I would be the one needing to hear it. Because you guys, it's hard when I don't hear his voice. And it's scary when I don't feel close to him. And it is totally unnerving to be facing so much death and destruction and despair and chaos and hate and uncertainty and not have a clear reason as to why. Why are you not moving, God? Why are you allowing this to happen, all-powerful Savior? Why do I feel so alone, great comforter? I know that there are people out there that can relate to me. And you see, it's not, this just, it's not just this pandemic. It's not just the repercussions of this pandemic that we're facing. It's not just the natural disasters. It's not just the hate. It's not just the racism. It's not just the destruction or the division that's going on. There are still real hardships, day-to-day hardships that we still have to face. Marriages are still in trouble. There's still child abuse going on. There's still people with chronic illnesses and addictions. There's still people dying, leaving loved ones to grieve alone because we can't even give them a hug throughout the social distancing thing. There's still loneliness, depression, financial strain for households. There's still anxiety. The list goes on and on and on and on. And it can be so easy to blame God or at the very least doubt his omnipotence. But nothing, nothing surprises God. There is no situation that can catch him off guard and there is no human emotion that will cause him to balk. And it's not the first time in the history of the world that utter chaos and despair has seemed unrelenting. I mean, let's look at David's story. We all know the rainbow and butterflies part of David's story. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be king when he was just a boy tending his father's sheep. And in 1 Samuel 16, 13, The Bible tells us that from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Saul, the current king at the time, had lost the favor of the Lord, the Bible tells us, and the spirit of the Lord was no longer on him. He was often in a state of spiritual torment because of that. But he saw David and recognized his musical talent. And he personally asked David to basically be his personal musical therapist. And so David would go and play his instrument for Saul to help soothe his soul. So Saul even found worth in David. 
And then, of course, the, Philist the Philistine threat came. We all know how that giant fella, Goliath, nobody dared to step up against him except faithful David, who, when everybody else turned away, he still knew that God would get him through. And with that tiny little stone, he defeated the giant. He was given great wealth, the Bible tells us, for that. And then as years go on and more and more victories over the Philistines are won because of David, Saul even gives David one of his own daughters in marriage. David became a trusted and very successful member of Saul's army, and he was highly favored by all. But there was a much darker side to David's story, and this was even before the whole adultery with Bathsheba and then the subsequent murder that David ended up committing. And this was started when Saul started to become jealous of David's popularity and his success. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 18.9 that Saul kept a close eye on David. He came at David on more than one occasion while, he was while David was playing his instrument for Saul, mind you, at his personal request to help soothe that tormented soul. He came at David and tried to kill him with his spear. And 1 Samuel goes on to tell us that a few times how Saul was scared and envious of David, and so David became his enemy. Because of all this, David was forced to flee from his home, his new bride. He was forced to hide in the mountains. Fear abounded as the enemy was constantly after him. So David knew what it was like to face torment for his soul, to be fearful and uncertain about the future. And he felt the sting of God's silence. And I'm going to read for you Psalms 13, verse 1 through 5. And I'm going to use the Passion Translation because I think it's a really clear picture of David's cry out to the Lord through all this torment that he was going through. And it says this, I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I've endured the shaking in my soul, so how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Do not let my enemy proclaim I've prevailed over him, for all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Lord, I have always trusted in your kindness, so answer me. Yet, David never wavered. Many of the Psalms and the poems and the worship songs that we get out of the Psalms came from David's experience because of what David went through. We now have a hope that we can cling through in God's word. Let's read to see how he ended his cry. And it's going to be the second part of verse five and into verse six. And again, this is the Passion Translation. So after David says, answer me, God, he says, I will yet celebrate with passion and joy when your salvation lifts me up. I will sing my song of joy to you, the Most High, for in all of this you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say I have no Savior, but I know that I have one in you. And I want to read from the New Living Translation because this is where our memory verse for this week comes from. And I think it's just so beautiful. And it summarizes, no matter what we're facing, this is what we can still cling to. So again, after David says, and he's crying out to God, answer me, he says, but... I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good. 
to me. And you know, if David's story isn't enough, let's look at Job. Job was an obedient servant of the Lord. He was raising his kids to love God. His wife loved God. Job did everything right, yet everything, everything was taken from him. His riches, his possessions, his home, his entire family, his friends, and eventually his health. And it took a really long time, but eventually Job did start to doubt God and he started to question God. But then in Job chapter 38, it says, the Lord speaks. And really the Lord does a mic drop more like it. And I want to read Job 1 or Job chapter 38, verse 1 through 7 that says, the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked out its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And what were its footings or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? For multiple chapters, God puts Job on the stand and asks him question after question, putting him in his place below the almighty God. And finally, Job relents in chapter 42, where he says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And maybe this is where we stand now. Maybe we've, in our own strength or our own pride, called into question God's actions. But thankfully, because of Jesus and because of the cross, we don't have to cower in front of our Lord and we don't have to run with our tails between our legs when we realize our mistake of thinking that we know more than the creator of the universe. But as the church, as Christ followers, we are obligated to have a response when God seems to suddenly go silent. And our response, first of all, should be to trust because he is trustworthy. As the songwriter says, and y'all know this song, even when we can't see it, he's working. And even when we can't feel it, he's working. Our circumstances will not and never will change God or his promises. But do you know what those promises are? Because now is not the time to be caught without the answer and it is not any time to be, it's not a light or laughing matter anymore. You need to dig into God's word. You need to know what he says about you as a child of God. Write these on your heart. And I suggest starting with Deuteronomy chapter 28, because this is full of promises for God's children. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of what God's word says about you as his child. I'm going to read chapter uh, 28 from Deuteronomy verse one, and then three through nine and 13, just because it flows a little bit better this way. And it says, the Lord, your God will set you high above the nations on earth. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb, your children, will be blessed in the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but they will flee from you in seven. The Lord will send blessings on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to. The Lord will establish you as his holy people. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. 
Amen. Write this and more once you do your research on sticky notes and literally stick them to your bathroom mirror, stick them to your rear view mirror in your car, put them on your phone, save them on your phone and read those rather than the latest news headline or the latest Facebook argument. Do something to remind yourself of God's truth. Because in this situation, at this moment in history, ignorance to God's truth is not bliss and it can be detrimental to your health both spiritually and physically. If you don't know what what God's word has to say about how trustworthy he is, it's going to be so easy for your doubt to overshadow your fear. Trust that he works all things for the good for those who love him. All things. And that comes from Romans 8, 28. And I want to read it again. The Passion Translation is an amazing translation because it just puts it into layman terms so that I can understand it a little bit better. And in the Passion Translation, Romans 8, 28 says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. And notice that it does not say God's perfect plan becomes the details. But he takes those details and weaves it into his plan, which is for our good. If we're going to believe this, we must believe everything that his word says in all circumstances, because his truth is absolute truth, which means that it's true all the time. We can't trust God's word and his promises in this situation because we can still feel him. We're still hearing from him. We can see the bigger picture or we can catch a glimpse of the greater good or what lesson can be learned, but not choose to trust his word and his promises in this situation when he's feeling distant or quiet or we can't see the big picture or we can't understand what kind of lesson could be had from whatever it is we're facing. We don't get to pick and choose when it comes to our faith. It's all in or nothing at all. And trust that the battles we face are for our benefit. James 1-2 says, Consider it joy when we face trials of many kinds. It's going to grow our character. You just have to trust that. 1 Peter 5, verse 6-10 says, If you bow low in God's awesome presence, He will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand right here. This means it's a conscious choice. It's a conscious decision to stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith because you know that your fellow believers around the world are enduring the same kind of troubles that you endure. And then after your brief suffering, because remember, this life is but a vapor in the grand scheme of the universe and eternity, the God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. And guys, the truth of the matter is he may not part those waters that we want him to part. He may not slay that giant that we want him to slay. 
He may not move that mountain that we want him to move. And he may not now or ever answer that prayer that we're so desperately seeking an answer for in the way that we want him to answer. But the fact is he loves you and there is not a day ahead that he has not seen. There is not a day ahead that he has not blessed. Trust in that. The second thing that we need to do in response to when God seems to go silent is to seek him while he may be found. Continue filling your head with him. Read the Bible. Listen to Christian music. Listen to podcasts with Christian speakers. Read books that are encouraging and positive written by Christian authors. Seek him with everything that you have and you will find him as Matthew 7, 7 promises. And it's in times like these that he's wanting us to lean into him and lean on his strength and not our own. It's in times like these that he wants us to put our words of faith into action and know that come hell or high water, literally, that we trust in God who never fails, who holds us with his righteous right hand, who engraves our names on the palms of his hands, who commands his angels concerning us, even when it's quiet, even when all hope seems lost, especially when all hope seems lost. Seek out what lessons can be learned. Stephen Furtick says that lessons in each season that we learn prepare us for the next season that life brings us. And that's for good and bad seasons. Many of you have testimony upon testimony that you've shared with me about something that God brought you through that has grown a certain fruit in your life that you are now clinging to in order to make it through this current situation that this entire world is facing. And in Life Group a few weeks ago, one of our discussion questions was, what do you think God wants you to learn through the adversity that you're facing? And my brother Jared, who joins us each week virtually from Grand Rapids, says, trust and patience. And then later on in our discussion, I randomly asked the entire group, what character defect have you always struggled with? And Jared says, trust and patience. Let this season grow your faith and the fruits of the Spirit. Embrace the storm, embrace the wind, embrace the rain, because it's going to grow your fruit brighter, juicier, and riper than it's ever been. And it's the fruit that people are going to see and be attracted to and want to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's your fruit that is going to draw people to or away from Jesus. And it's up to you what kind of fruit you produce in your life, ripe or rotten. And finally, the third thing that we must do in response when God seems silent is to pray without ceasing. Tornwell says, all the world starts changing when the church starts praying. And if you haven't noticed by now, I, God speaks the loudest to me through the musicians that he's inspired. But really, we have the power through his spirit in us to see change happen. We just need to be praying in accordance with God's will. And if you don't know what his will is, you don't know what to pray, get out your Bible, get out his word. What better way to pray God's will than to pray back to him the very words that came directly from his mouth in the first place. And in your log notes, you'll see a list of things that I feel if we can all in unity commit to praying for each day together as a family of believers, 
I believe with all my heart that we will see change. Let's pray for our politicians and our decision makers. Let's stop speaking curse words on them and words of death on them. Let's lift them up and start speaking life about them and praying for them, even when we disagree with them. Let's pray for this earth to be healed. Let's pray for a cure for COVID-19. Let's pray for God himself to inspire those scientists and those medical personnel who are working so hard to come up with something. Let's pray that God inspires them because remember, God gifted them with that intelligence. So let's pray that he comes up with something and uses those people to come up with something effective and safe. Let's pray for our educators and our students and our school systems and maybe even the the uh, working parents who suddenly became homeschool teachers, let's pray for them as well. Uh, let's pray for our economy and business owners and businesses. Let's pray for our personal finances. But most of all, most importantly, let's pray for the world to see God's glory and for his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To close, I want to leave you with these final thoughts. And you know, no matter who you are, this pandemic and all the events that have unraveled since it started, it has affected you, some in more ways than others. And I'm not going to pretend that I understand or that I see the struggle that you are facing, but there is one who does see you. There is one that knows. And not only does he see you and he knows you, he empathizes with you. Because guys, there is not a pain in this world that Jesus hasn't already taken upon himself and bore for you. There is no darkness in this world that his light cannot obliterate. And there is no mess in this world that he didn't know would come into existence. Yet he chose the cross anyway and he overcame it. What power and what love and what ability to focus on the future and the glory of the future rather than focusing on our current situation and the pain because pain it was for him. He asked multiple times for the cup to be taken from him, yet your will be done, God. He promised, Jesus himself promised us that there would be trouble in this world, but he guaranteed not to worry because he, have, he has overcome the world. It was never a matter of if trauma would come, but when and what would we do about it. So focus on trusting his promises, focus on seeking him, and focus on praying his will be done. And perhaps, just maybe, the silence in the storm is not God forsaking us, but rather this is the quiet before the storm of God that big inhale that he takes before he blows us all away and he breathes that ruach on us like never before. It's in our darkest times and in the seasons of the most desperation and despair that we are positioned for the greatest miracle that this world has ever seen. So keep seeking him, keep praying, keep praising through the storm, keep trusting in his unfailing love for you. And if you don't know this hope that we speak of, if you don't know this one who is love himself, I want to give you the opportunity. What better time than now? The Bible tells us that the day of God's favor and the day of salvation is now. 
So if you want to know this hope, if you want to know this, this hope beyond reason and this love that surpasses all understanding and this Savior who will wipe away every sin and carry every burden that you feel the need to carry on your own, pray this prayer with me or something like it right now. Just pray, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to experience this hope and this love. Please forgive me of living for myself and guide me as I choose today to live my life for you. Lord, you are sovereign over all, and I ask for revelation from you in every aspect of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family. All of heaven is rejoicing as your name is being written in the Lamb's Book of Life in Christ's blood, which is more permanent than any permanent marker. And we want to celebrate with you and we want to equip you on this new journey that you have decided to embark upon. So put down in your comment section right now if you just gave your heart to Jesus and we want to connect with you and get you hooked up with some resources today. Congratulations, you are starting a new life in a way that you never thought imagined. God is going to do great things for you and we are so excited to be the family that's going to stand behind you and welcome you home as ours. Congratulations. I just want to close in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that through it all, through this silence, God, there is still hope to cling to, Lord. We can still trust in you, Lord. Show yourself to us, Lord. Teach us your promises, God, as we cling to the only hope there is left to cling to, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys, it was awesome to be here with you this morning. And don't forget this Wednesday night, the parking lot service, the parking lot will open at 630. I hope to see you all there. Love you. Can't wait to see you. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Bye.